0: Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Fuji Love Podcast. Fuji Love is brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. If you want the latest and greatest in great articles about all things Fujifilm, whether that's the X-Series or the GFX cameras, and so much more, head on over to fujilove.com and subscribe today. It's what keeps the podcast running. Uh, They help pay the bills and it's just a great read. And, surprise, great, great visuals too. Great photos. Uh, you could learn a lot about the photographers who took those great, amazing photos. So head on over to fujilove.com and check it out. Now, you might notice that it's not the usual introduction uh, to the podcast. And you might notice that there is a slight echo. That is because my guest this week is my good friend and colleague, Tim Esty. Tim Esty is a phenomenal photographer in the New England area. He is not just a wedding and portrait photographer, but he is also a photographer of uh, movie sets. Uh, and he, he's in the—I uh, I dare I say—you're in the film industry, my friend. <laughs>
1: I, I am. I, it, it wasn't intentional, but um, hey, you know.
0: There you go. But Tim, Tim, and I. Uh we have probably worked the most as, as, as a wedding photography duo. Uh, you have helped me on so many of my weddings uh, w- whenever a second photographer is called for. and then you know, I, I return the favor with, with your clients as well. Um, this is a fun story because it is uh, you and I have a very similar style of mm-hmm. photography. Right. We do now. Right, and that is because we both made the transition from our respective uh, gear in the past. Me being Canon, and you Nikon. Correct. And we both transitioned into Fuji full time at the same time. You slightly
1: earlier than me, but you were the sacrificial, lamb. I, I a
0: sacrificial limb. I was the sacrificial limb. I was the the gateway drug for you. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, but. When I went 100% with Fuji, right. you did it as well. And, and you had a, a much easier time than I did. Um,
1: so, I think it was also the cameras that I had available to me at the time. So.
0: Right. So this episode is all about you, my friend. Um, you, your work is incredible. Uh, you're, you're you're just a fun guy to hang out with. But thank and, you uh, about that, too. <laughs> and we, we, you know, we're, we're friends, <laughs>
1: um,
0: so yeah. So how's it going,
1: man? It's excellent. Um, glad to have you here. Glad to have you at the studio here. Um, you have a
0: beautiful studio. We are in Kensington, New Hampshire. I forgot to mention that at the beginning. There, that's right. Um, we are recording in Tim's studio, and it is
1: awesome. It's uh, a it's a converted barn. Uh, it was built at somewhere in the eighteen hundreds and it it's just something special to have your own space yeah somewhere where you can set up and um you can just leave your lights and everything set up the way you had them and the next day you come in no one's touched them <laughs> and you you could walk away for a couple of days if you need to if you have something tabletop going you know um so it's it's really nice to be in my own space
0: yeah absolutely and and it just looks fabulous you know, you. you did the 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 renovations yourself and it's it is it rivals some of the wedding venues that we shot at with uh, the rustic feel, and that was that was
1: the goal as well with um, trying to make it match a lot of the wedding venues we <clears> see. Um, that way, um, engagement photo sessions yeah. blend very well with the wedding um, itself. Yep, and it gives us practice working in a place. You know, for those who can't see, there's a lot of natural wood in this space. Um, which you find in a lot of these New England barn weddings, which we do a lot of.
0: Yeah, that they are becoming many, many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so great! It, it, it's awesome to to finally do this. Um, we're gonna go back to the very beginning, before the the Fuji Film came into your life, and just kind of start uh, at your origin story, which is something that I always love to 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 sure. look at with other photographers to see yeah. what what gave that drive. Photography because
1: it's always going to be different.
0: It's always different, and it's such an adventure. It's always fun to just see what made that person's that that creativity uh, to turn that on. So, like, so what turn do you want? <laughs>
1: um, well, all growing up, I was always into art, no matter what it was. Yeah, I just was an art-driven kid. Um, so coming into high school, I was one of those uh, students that. Um, Thankfully, had a really, really awesome art teacher, um, really great guy, uh, Mr. Alan Taylor. Huge impact on my life. Um, unfortunately, just passed away recently. However, I was able to photograph his final art show, which was like a collection of his life's work. Oh wow! So it was really cool, and he was still with us at the time, which is super special. So yeah, it was. We were surrounded by you know so many familiar faces and teachers that i had in the past uh, And it was really good to give that back because he was the guy that steered me in this direction yep because um, there came a point where he just point blank asked me what i was doing with my life <laughs> <laughs> and um you know he said you know you can you can sculpt you can paint and but you know what what do you really think you you want to do um, and i had been dabbling in photography with uh, the yearbook the school yearbook and we had a dark room at our school, so I was doing that a lot, and I was really gravitating towards it because of the instant gratification that I was getting from it. And the instant gratification back then was a relative term. Yes, yes, exactly. <coughs> but you could spend weeks on a sculpture or a painting, uh, and it not come out the way you wanted. However, yeah. with photography, the turnaround was much quicker. You could redo it and refine it. Uh, and try it again under different circumstances and stuff, or different times of day with yeah. different people, and you could get different results. Very, very exciting for me as an artist that was also very impatient. Yes. So um, he turned me on to a photo school that was in Massachusetts that he thought that you know would work well for me. I ended up going there. Yeah. And um, came out of... School thinking that I was a photographer, <laughs> you know, um, you, you're just not. You're really not. You've you've got a you've got a set of tools in your bag. Yep. But you're not a photo mechanic. You right. know, you don't know what to do in every scenario because you haven't been put in all those scenarios yet. Um, and
0: what were the tools that you were using? What was what was what was the the gear that you? Were so using I was on?
1: shooting on medium format. Mamiya 645 system. Oh, uh, so I'm you got 15 frames per roll. <laughs> uh, super expensive to buy, super <clears throat> expensive to process. Yeah. Um, and you know, you cherished every frame. Yep. So you had to really refine your trigger finger, not to just spray and pay, pray, but to really know that you're getting a shot, that it's composed, it's focused, and all that stuff, which really translates translates well now Yeah. because even though we have technically unlimited film in our camera with the digital age um, having that film background really refines the shooting that I do
0: yeah um, it's not an easy camera that's a big camera there, yeah. there was no physical way that that thing could
1: spray or right. I mean, you could
0: pray yeah I mean <laughs> well I didn't have a power
1: winder so that, that would help <coughs> to speed up the thing yeah um, but other than that you know it was it was It's good to learn on fully manual and everything. So I was shooting with that, and then came I think it was in probably about 2000, maybe 2004, that I really embraced digital. Yeah, maybe a little bit earlier, 2003, and um, I bought a Nikon D70 because it was like one of the first like prosumer cameras yes it was it was very affordable the quality output was awesome and i had a friend that was a nikon dealer so right you just you you know why people say hey why did you go with nikon why didn't you go with canon it's well i had a friend that sold nikons
0: and, and it's funny because the that kind of what, what you're describing mirrors what i was going through because at that time my eyes were set on that d70 that was a Beauty of a camera. And, I almost
1: bought a D100, <clears throat> and my friend, the Nikon dealer, said, "Wait, there's yeah. something else that's about to come out that's going to be better than that. You're just going to have to wait like a month and a half." Right.
0: And uh, and I had a Canon dealer that was uh, telling me to to go the you know mm-hmm. the other side. Um, so while you, you we both had the same uh, z- zoomed in on the same focus point. We just diverged at that point. Right. I, I went Canon and uh, I think I ended up buying the, the Digital Rebel, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know. One could argue is good. It's not. It's history now. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, um, uh, but yeah, that's funny that that, that was the, the camera that, I, I mean, it made a lot of heads turn. That was...
1: Right. It was, and it was um, it was nice because it was just like I had a, a, a Nikon... Uh, film camera, which was an N80, and the D70 was pretty much identical except with the digital guts in it. Right. Um, so it was a great transition over, and I had been shooting that 35mm um, a lot because, you know, it was just quicker, faster, lighter, and I had shelved the Mamiya. Yeah. Um, fortunately, I sold that Mamiya at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> and was still able to actually retain some value on it, which, which was nice, and um, put towards New, new nikon system and yep. then once once i went digital i mean it was like the floodgates opened i could shoot all the time anytime really experiment and not have to worry about wasting film yeah and things like that or wasting money on processing and wondering if it came out like i th- expected it to yep so there was a great period of exploring and experimenting i felt like a kid again you know, with my Pentax K one thousand, just turning <laughs> dials and see what they did. You know, yeah. Um. So going digital was was huge. Um. You know, then I upgraded to a D two hundred out of necessity because literally days before a wedding, the D seventy just stopped working. It had a, a a malfunction. It was a recall. Yeah. And there was no time to do anything about it other than just buy a new camera. It's it's funny because
0: in that time, um, I mean, this is right when the internet is just kind of people are getting their feel for what you're what is capable, mm-hmm. um, and and locally at least at least in New England, going into the photography business, doing weddings and portraits, you don't have the ease of use of like just a regular Google search. You know, it was a little bit more. Um, you had to put more effort into finding where you can go and what you could do. And uh, back then, at least for me personally, finding an apprenticeship with a, a local photographer was very difficult. It was a very guarded uh, industry, mm-hmm. photography. That there was, uh, we don't want new people.
1: <laughs> and yeah, and you couldn't, you couldn't be a. Um a grassroots self-starter the way you can now yeah and just uh, you know just get up and running like you could uh, you can now but you couldn't back then and and um, there was such a disdain for digital back then oh yeah i mean especially local when i was in photography school we did nothing digital other than you know manipulation afterwards everything was film capture. then you scanned the negatives yep and then did your color correction and outputs digitally that way yeah um we weren't even accepting digital at the time as a, a form of capture. I right. was like, no, that's it's that's for people in point and shoots for fun, yeah, you know, for quick things. Um, and then as the quality came up and the prices went down, you know, things started <laughs> to change. Yeah. So um, I was shooting Nikon. I shot a lot of Nikon cameras. That was my that was my stuff that I used as what I was comfortable with. Um and then I decided to get a studio. And once I got the studio I needed more cameras. Yeah. (laughs) Because you're taking on more work and you can't depend on one one camera to be your only rig that you use. Right. You know what I mean? The thing breaks, you gotta be able to still continue to do the job. Um so I bought another camera and then I got into the uh, the Nikon D700s, and I bought a couple of those, and I loved them because they were just like tanks. Uh, but they also weigh about as much as a tank, <laughs> so you're carrying around these, swinging them around at weddings, under you know tight you know quarters, lots of people and everything, you banging into people and whatnot. But it's you're still getting really great quality footage, and. <coughs> Um, this professional gear, you know, yeah. and then I met you because um, your aunt actually rented a studio right next to my studio,
0: and my aunt is a painter. She's of- a painter.
1: Beautiful, beautiful work. <coughs> and so you came to one of our art shows, and we started chatting about photography and this and that. And I think that that was when you got just got a Fuji.
0: This is, um, I've been, at that point, I've been shooting with Fuji for a little bit. It's been, it was my uh, additional camera. Uh, So I would. It was
1: like your hip camera.
0: It was my hip camera. Uh, So I had, (laughs) I had one of the X100s. I can't remember which version it was. Most likely it was like the X100T, I think. Um, maybe I, 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 I again it's a little fuzzy, but I do remember I had the XE two with the thirty five millimeter lens, and I think I showed you the X 100 first.
1: Yeah, because I was you you were like oh check this out this 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 is really cool you know all this film simulation yeah and everything I looked through the thing and I almost fell over looking through that digital <laughs> viewfinder at first I mean. That was something that I was not used to seeing. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. And um, and the fixed lens was not something I was really interested in either. Yeah. And um, and it was small, and I have a big paw. Yep. And so you know, I, it was hard picturing myself after you know so many years of hauling around all this gear, these huge cameras swinging from harnesses, to hold this little. Tiny what I thing. considered to be a point-and-shoot <clears throat> camera yeah and you were raving about it and although i respected your opinion <laughs> i still was like yeah that's cool for you yeah you know um and then i showed you a wedding that i shot with it yeah and then i started to see more work and um some of the definition and detail that was coming off of this and, and at and that
0: point i think it was the xt1 that came into the market mm-hmm uh, that just launched, <clears throat> and that was kind of like the turning point with Fuji's autofocus system. That while some photographers were able to make the the switch, uh, ca- you know, like the Kevin Mullins and the uh, Andrew Billingtons from the previous episode, it was still a lot more effort was in in, in learning the Fuji system. When you got to the point where we had the X-T1 on the market, the autofocus system really caught up. Mm -hmm. And I think at that point, that's when I made my switch.
1: And I think that's why my transition was better because I started with an X-T1. Yes. So I didn't (coughs) go through some of the things that you or some other photographers went through and transitioning in this system. Yeah,
0: you saw my growing bits.
1: Yeah, and you know, and, and Nikons are fast. You know, they, they, they're they pretty quick on the focus. I was used to it. Yeah. Um, so anything much less than that was going to be hard for me to, to transition to. And one day I just was, you know, scrolling through my emails and this and that and, you know... Website was having a sale on this Fuji X-T1 <laughs> with a 35 millimeter F2. Um, I mean, the price was, it was just so reasonable. Yeah. And and I'm just like, you know what? I really would like a smaller camera that I could keep with me more often. Throw in a knapsack, having like the console on my truck. Yeah. Um, bring with me and not be so invasive because I mean... You point a Nikon at someone, they feel like they're having their picture taken. Yes. You know, whereas you hold something smaller, especially with a screen on the back, they may not necessarily realize that you're taking their picture yep. and it's not as as um, intimidating. Right. So I say, you know, let me try this thing. So I, I bought it and I played around with it for a little bit and, you know, I really didn't uh, dive into it. And then uh, my family and I decided to go on vacation to Mexico. Yep. And normally, I would pack an entire bag of camera gear. Yeah. And I'm the guy <laughs> at security that's having every <laughs> single thing checked. And I know that going into it because that's how it is every time I travel. Everything yeah. gets checked. So um, <coughs> I say, you know what? I'm just going to take this Fuji. I'm going to take one camera, one lens, and... I'm on vacation, I can experiment with it, I can play with it, and really see if I like it. Yeah. I came back from that trip and what I brought back on that one camera with that one lens was it was it was what I needed to see. Yes. That I could capture what I wanted to with just that one body and that one thirty five millimeter lens. Um and and I, I was I was very happy. Yeah. Now I wanted to use this thing even more. Um, but the problem is I only have one lens. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I needed But man, what a lens
0: to start with. I mean, right. that's
1: the one to do it. You know, it's, I mean, it's It's great. <clears throat> it's a great lens, weather sealed and everything. So I wasn't worried about taking it anywhere. Um, and so I'm all excited. I'm telling my wife, my oh, God, this camera's great. Look at these photos. I'm showing her this slideshow on our TV. And, you know, she was yeah beautiful loved them um i'm like so i gotta buy another one she's like <laughs> what do you mean i'm like well to really prove the theory i need two with two different lenses yep and they need to be field tested um and fortunately i had you to help me field test them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and hey i need a second photographer you were shooting chair. uh solely fuji and you said you know on this next wedding you mind just shooting fuji yeah and no nikons um and i didn't really understand it at the time um because i just figured hey you know whatever is whatever you're most comfortable with capturing it with yeah. until i had a second photographer that sh- shot canon <laughs> and after shooting with her uh a couple times i persuaded her into going fuji yeah <laughs> because it, it was they just looked better and i had work to do to to match them up which i'm sure you had work to do with matching my Nikon RAW files because we're just shooting JPEGs now.
0: So, from my perspective, uh, to kind of uh, go uh, elaborate on on, on what you were thinking, um, when we did weddings, when I was using my Canon and you were using your Nikon, Mm -hmm. getting those RAW files back was and and doing the post-production, it was fine. Right. When... I did a wedding where I shot half of it on Canon and half of it on Fuji. My own work, looking at it, it looked like there were two different photographers shooting with two different cameras, right. and, and it was a and, and my style was completely different from what I was doing with Canon and what I was doing with sure. Fuji. Fuji. I was able to go up and down. It was like no problem, uh, and, and and so. With my Canon, it was more like just hold it in front of your face, take the shot. Very vanilla, very, um, very, you know,
1: pr- proper. Most things shot from shoulder <clears throat> level.
0: Yeah. And, and so while the transition from Canon to Fuji was uh, not difficult, but it, it, it was longer than I thought it would be. Um, and again, I just needed that push. Uh, that's, that's a whole other backstory from previous episodes. <laughs> Go check out the, those Fuji Love podcast episodes. Um, but making that transition was, you know, it, it took a little bit. Uh, but in the end, from start to finish, I have the photos that I really want. And so when I told you to, to hey, just use the Fuji... It was for the same reason, to, right. to make sure that there was consistency in the in the photo quality. Um, and our styles probably now is very similar to one another when we shoot weddings. Uh, in fact, whenever I have a client that says, hey, what does your second photographer do? I'm like, oh, you've already seen his work. It's in my portfolio. It's, it's, it's there. What's the difference between the two of us? About 90 degrees. Right. Because you tend to shoot more... Uh, vertical style. I shoot more horizontal stuff. Right. Uh, so uh, so yeah, and and so that's the reason why I, I kind of pushed you into oh wow you you have the Fuji wow <laughs> right menacingly shake my uh, rub my hands together just just use the Fuji yeah it's fine right. it's fine that'll be no problems but I'm
1: glad that I did because. Cause you got to use the glass too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm glad that that you know I was pushed in that direction, and I wasn't one of those people that said, "No, I'm a Nikon guy, and that's yeah. all." And I've met those people, and you know, I just think they just haven't shot Fuji yet, and that's yeah. the, that's the difference. Um, those people eventually go Sony. <laughs> <laughs> Take so that Sony. <laughs> so um, you know, being pushed in that direction was a great thing. Um, and not shooting raw anymore because what I have coming off, JPEG, is so good. And the way that I'm shooting with the Fuji and seeing everything happen live in the viewfinder, uh, my shots are, I'm, I'm shooting less and getting more. Yes. You know, so I'm getting better quality and I don't have to shoot as much because I'm not guessing if I got the shot. I know I got the shot. I saw it right there. I could see the settings. Yeah. And I'm not looking at the back of the camera and wasting time. Um, Speeding up because where all the dials are located and how quickly I can change my settings and everything. It feels so good. It integrates no problem with all the lighting that we already owned. Yep. I mean, we just put a transmitter on it and and it's it's also it's also like taking in that light in a very nice way yeah i mean these shots using off-camera flash don't look flashed yep it's it's analyzing it and processing it and I'm always surprised like wow these don't look flashed like I
0: love the film simulations yeah like like I was
1: used to seeing because I always hated using flash I always wanted to use as much natural light as possible um, just to avoid that flashed look yep I'm really not worried about that anymore yeah I can set up my lights pretty much in any venue and know that this is gonna look this is gonna look nice as long as it's in the right place it's right uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and that's the, the trick.
0: That, that's a New England problem. That's right. <laughs> um, so so
1: I've, I've sped up how I shoot. I'm improving the quality of my shots. I'm shooting less, which is saving me more time in post-production because I'm going through less. And the photos are almost ready to be delivered. Yeah. I'm only cropping... Um, culling and color correcting so everything has the right flow whereas before i was doing a lot more post-production because i was shooting in raw because there was such a large gray area for me personally you know you're shooting through the dslr you trust your settings but at the same time you're not seeing it like you are through the fuji yeah so you're shooting in raw, so you have that gray area to adjust it out, which I'm not doing
0: anymore. Right. So, now that you're formally established in Fuji, mm-hmm. you have completely converted to the dark side. Um, you had the opportunity to do some photography on a movie set that was being filmed in Massachusetts.
1: Correct. Um, I've, done, I've done more than one. Um, now you've done more than one. Yes, I've done more than more than one since then, and there's a, a new one coming up. So, so basically, how this happened was I was contacted by an actor who was looking for headshots. Yes, and um, I could tell by his personality he was, you know, really. Uh, enthusiastic, adventurous, and I said, you know what? When I, I want to do headshots, I don't want to just bring you into the studio and you know put you on a gray background and photograph you bland. Yep. You will know, we'll do that because that's a fundamental thing that you should have in your headshot portfolio. Yep. However, we want to do something more immersive um, that I think will will really translate well. And so he's like, all right, I'm listening. I said, I'm going to dress you up. <laughs> gonna take you in the woods and we're gonna you're gonna act because that's what you do and I'm gonna capture that and we're gonna have a couple different scenarios so we started out um, because he had a real good gritty look to him real yep. soft of the earth and so he looked great as a cop as a military guy um, so we started out with those concepts and he loved it in fact he called me only like a month or two later after doing the photo shoot and had landed a gig for a military role based on the shots and so then he said i want to do another photo shoot with you know different scenarios so we did another one um went on another adventure together and just had had some fun and you know that's that's what's great about photography is you know i'm having fun yep you know and when you're having fun the creative juices are flowing you know it's really something special yeah um especially when you're working with other creative people who are enthusiastic so he continues to get more work and then i'm invited to you know work on do behind the scenes work for one of their film projects so i did that and that was uh, like a year and a half two years ago and then which led to being invited back because a movie sets a strange place it's hustling and bustling but at the same time you definitely need to know where your what your role is where you can be and where you can't be and right. understand uh, like who's doing what and when you need to be quiet you need to be quiet yeah otherwise Christian Bill will go nuts on right. you right <laughs> amateur there's your amateur so I don't want that, so I'm really paying attention to how this works and how it flows because I don't want this to be the first and last movie set that I get to step on, you know? <laughs> uh, so, I'm invited to, you know, I'm hired to come yeah. and photograph at a, a second movie. Um, and when I went to this second one, now I'm fooding, shooting fully Fuji. Yeah. Uh, the first one, I was still shooting Nikon uh, and Fuji. But now I've made the transition and I'm in the process of getting rid of all my icons. <laughs> um, so I go, I go to this, uh, one of these last projects and the director pulls me aside and he says, listen, because um, you know, we've never met before. I've met the director from you know other projects yeah. and everything, but this is someone who I've never worked with. And he pulls me aside and says, listen, you know, when we say quiet on the set, you know, absolutely you can't be shooting and, right and get my coffee <laughs> and uh and i said oh no that's not that shouldn't be a problem he's like no it absolutely is we pick up the shutter son i said oh no i, I understand but i shoot in silent and the look on his face was bewildered yeah kind of like me and yeah. and i said no i, I put it into um uh, electronic shutter so you won't hear you won't have the noise and he, he was like, you can do that? I said, yeah. So I held it up right to his ear. I held the button down. I said, I just fired off about 20 frames. <laughs> and and he, he couldn't believe it. And he still made me go over to the sound guys. And we checked it against all the sound equipment to make sure there wasn't going to be any disturbances or frequencies and feedbacks or, yeah. or anything. And they said, no, we're not getting any, anything from that, from that piece of equipment. So he's good and uh which is really huge in a place like that yeah. you need to be silent it also would be nice at like um certain ceremonies. Yep, like uh like a um bar mitzvah or something. Sometimes they they really want it to be quiet and intimate and they don't want you shooting, but I've been able to shoot because I'm silent. I'm just yeah. another person standing there. Um so they were excited about that because now they're getting footage that they weren't able to get before in still frame. Yeah. That, you know, you would have to stop shooting. And it's really cool for me because I see the finished product of these, these movies and I'm like hiding right behind like a trash can. Yeah. (laughs) And and I'm in the scene. I'm like, I was right there while this was all transpiring. It's really exciting stuff. Yeah. Um, and, uh so now there's a, there's a couple more projects that are coming um, coming down the way that I was actually just told about yesterday um, from um, this original actor who I worked with, and I'm pretty excited that they've developed a, a script for a um, trailer that they want to make into a series, and it's based on a project that I developed. Um, one of my photo projects I like to do on the side yeah. are creative, like storyline projects. Yep, uh, where I work with actors and we do dynamic lighting and we put together a storyline, basically we put together a movie with no script. Right, it's all still. It's all just still, so it looks like production stills. And then when you look at it in a slideshow, it, it's kind of like a story unfolds, but you're able to fill it in yourself. Very elaborate storyboard. Right. Uh, so. I've done those, and we just did one recently. And one of the actresses, um, this wonderful actress, Elle Matarazzo, she has written a script that uh, she's pursuing, and we're going to be sitting down. And not only am I be photographing it, but they are taking, they're bringing me in as a creative because of the lighting experience I have, and yeah. the experience, and the. Um, the storyline is based on a project that I developed with them, and that was the inspiration for it. So I'm really excited because now I'm seeing something that started out as a small photography project to stay creative and you know have some fun with friends, and yeah. put some content out there for people to enjoy one way or the other you will be on right, <laughs> right. right. In, in fact I need to go on and, and check that because you know that's already a factor you know yeah when you're in the in the film business. Ah here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing my second photographer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, that, that's awesome man that that is incredible and, and again like seeing those projects that you did, uh, was, was really cool to look at, and uh, yeah, the being on a movie set that's that's really awesome. So, uh, everybody just get ready because he's going to be the next director of photography for uh, your, your next movie. <coughs> be careful of Scorsese, right? that's it, he's really, uh, he's really a hard ass, <laughs> hates those Marvel movies. Uh, I got no problem with them, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude. That that's incredible and, and, and you owe it all to Fuji there I, you
1: go <laughs> I, I honestly changing over to Fuji has been awesome for me because it made me shoot more I can take my cameras with me to more places they because I don't feel like I'm dragging along this huge bag yeah I don't feel like I'm being that guy who brought his camera again yep and you know you you, you don't want to feel that way you want to you know feel liberated in doing what you love doing and when i'm using that system because the size and versatility um i just feel better about it and the speed oh yeah the speed
0: and just the being able to see the uh i mean being able to print out the results especially with with the instex system right that's that's for a whole other show (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah it, it's it's incredible and, and you're right we can make it uh, as small as possible i mean you and i uh we both have the the, the meaty hands so. well I'm,
1: I'm shooting uh I, I got an xt30 yeah and i love it but it's it is small for my yep. large hand so i i just uh, made a custom grip for it which uh enlarges it and you know dismantled the old strobo frame yeah <laughs> i remember that. <laughs> I, remember I dismantled that and um customized it and added a a oak handle to it so it it enlarges the size of the body um so it just fits my hand a little bit better and that's really all i needed because the camera has the power to do what i want to do yeah and i'm loving it absolutely loving it i mean we shot a wedding just recently and i threw the 90 millimeter on that during the inside reception at night (laughs) <laughs> and and i wasn't worried about it at all because i knew that the camera could handle it and that i wasn't gonna end up with fuzzy you know shaky photos it was yep. gonna be sharp the way it should be um which i would have questioned before right you know
0: i just way. threw on a cheapo l bracket and that worked for me <laughs> 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 i wish i had the woodworking skills that you do because that that grip that you have is super sexy um you should join the bandwagon and just start taking photos of your camera yeah yeah <laughs> and with, the, with the grip it. the
1: camera and the, and the leather the leather uh, harness system and everything yeah <laughs> damn it
0: you you're, you're you made your own harness system you made
1: your own grip it's it's well things are expensive they are and but you're, it's, when, you it's i'm know, jealous <laughs> well, you, know, you want to come over sometime we can do some leather working there we go <laughs> Uh, you know where you know where I'm at, right? But we'll,
0: we'll save that for the leather love, love podcast. That's <laughs> it. it. Yeah. Uh, so, dude, it was awesome having you on the show. Uh, I, I couldn't wait to have you on, and uh, you know, would definitely bring you back uh, to you love talk to. about yeah. cameras and Anytime. all fun stuff. Um, definitely a lot of stuff in the pipeline for Fuji, and when they come through, I think having. Uh, uh, a nice studio reveal of the new camera systems will be cool, but that's that's for later. Uh, spoilers for everybody listening. <laughs> we we have some cool stuff in the in the in the pipeline. But why don't you tell the world where they can find you on the web? Uh, just to to uh, to make sure everybody sees sees your
1: awesome work, man. Yeah, you can uh, find my website at kensingtonphotostudio.com and on Instagram at. Kensington Photo Studio, and on Facebook as well. Kensington Photo Studio Timothy right Esti, doing what he does. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. And uh, and of course, you can find me,
0: Mark Sadowski. I am on uh, Instagram. Uh, do a search for Mark Sadowski, Mark with a C. And one more time, shout out to Fuji Love Magazine for making the Fuji Love podcast possible. Uh, it, it is a great source for checking out uh wonderful photography great resources for tips and tricks uh with your fuji system and you know even if you don't have a fuji camera uh definitely go check it out because there's a lot of great uh photography there to to just look at and some of the tips and tricks they're universal they can help you uh with, with your whatever camera system that you're using but really Try try the Fuji. <laughs> and you can show off your gear. Oh, there you go. Right on. Take a picture. It'll last longer. Mm-hmm. Right on. So, awesome. Thank you again. And, uh, Thank you. Right on. We'll see you next time.
1: Thank you. Take care.